0: Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. So I'm here today with my next guest, my friend, my mentor, Debra
1: Amick, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation with you.
0: Yay. So let's start with introducing yourself to the audience.
1: Okay, great. So um, my name is Debra Amick. I'm a nurse by background. Spent uh, So let's see, I've been a nurse almost 32 years and spent most of my time in intensive care, did open heart recovery for um, some years sprinkled in home health nursing and did some leadership roles and things like that and then got into quality. And I've been working in quality improvement for uh, about 11 years now.
0: Okay, so what made you decide to go into healthcare quality? Because it sounds like you've done some operations, you've done some bedside. What was that pull towards quality?
1: Well, it's funny. I think that I have just always been really curious about how to optimize things throughout my life. And, you know, whether it's productivity or personal growth or, you know, how to schedule things appropriately in my own personal life, things like that. So there's always been that sense that I've had. I honestly didn't know that healthcare quality even existed for a good 15 years in my career, you know, it's Mm kind of like behind the curtain, things happen and, and policies appear and, you know, things come down from on high, but you don't really know what, where this originates. But one of my roles, and I find this just funny looking back on this, one of my roles, I was working in an ICU and it was a smaller hospital and I'd worked in some big academic medical centers and bigger cities, you know, kind of well-known places. And so now here I'm at the smaller facility and I'm like, man, we, we need some help here. Like this, th- things aren't run as efficiently as they could be. So I felt like people probably would want to have some ideas to make some improvements. So I remember I met with my leadership and, and basically was met with, thank you so much for these ideas, but they're completely out of the realm of possibility. So. You know, just be a bedside nurse and and do your thing. But it's funny now looking back, I realized that I just wasn't in the right place. And so when I uh, got into an organization, which I'm currently with, that really had a strong quality program and I started interacting with the quality department and being asked to participate on initiatives and things like that. I came to a fork in the road where I was being asked to take more of a clinical route. And Mm -hmm. so that was an option for me to grow in those skills or get into quality improvement. And I just did a real assessment between what do I enjoy the most out of everything that I'm doing and Where do I feel like my skills will be best utilized? Mm -hmm. And I realized that was with quality. When I kind of listed out all the different things that I was doing at that time, the things that I felt like I was making the most impact and enjoyed the most were in those quality improvement programs. So that's when I decided to, at the time, it felt risky Mm -hmm. to take that risk to get into quality. And then, interestingly, I think there's a perspective that, at least at the time in my organization, that people went to quality to retire. Like, you go there.
0: I've heard that, too.
1: Yeah. You kind of do a little bit of work when you want to, and then you retire. And uh, that is, of course, not the case. So, you know, worked very hard in quality improvement. Different kind of work, different skill set, but I work very, I've worked very hard. And then I've been in quality improvement since that move about 11 years ago.
0: Okay. So what do you do now within quality? What does a typical day look like for you?
1: Oh boy. (laughs) Honestly, there's really not a typical day. My role though, if that would be helpful, my role now is um, I'm the vice president of quality improvement for a health care system. And we have five inpatient acute care hospitals and then over 300 outpatient sites kind of scattered over uh, the state where I live. So it's you know very busy and constantly changing, which I like. I think that's a prerequisite for being in quality, depending on which part of quality you're in. The part that I'm in, I don't mind change. I don't mind challenges. So I like to be engaged in things that are interesting. And there is an an unending supply of that in my role. So a typical day. You know, I I do work in an office right now because coming through the pandemic, we still are doing a lot of virtual meetings. So I do a good bit of meetings on different initiatives that we're having or things that I may need to approve or give my input on. And that could be uh, redesigning a care system and, you know, needing to give input and final approval on certain aspects of that. Policy development, helping. I still do help to lead some teams and um, or co-lead teams. I also do a fair amount of strategy development. You know, where do we need to go as an organization? What are our next priorities from a quality standpoint? And then a lot of assessment. So whether that's discussing cases, root cause analysis, schemas, or going to the bedside and or to the units and meeting with people, interviewing staff, doing things we call tracers that may be looking at a care process and proactively looking for ways to improve care, ways to make the care safer for patients. So and then you know, team building, human resource type activity to help my team since I'm in a leadership role.
0: Okay. That sounds very interesting. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, especially since COVID. I mean, we've always known that the healthcare system is broken and with COVID, it kind of highlighted some other things. And, you know, one reason that I stay in healthcare quality is because I want a system to be there when my generation gets there, right? So, what would you say to clinicians who are kind of burnt out at the bedside or want to use their skills in different ways? I know that some clinicians are leaving healthcare altogether. So, what would you say to them that would have them consider that healthcare quality may be an option for them?
1: Sure, sure. You know, I think that one thing I would say is I think getting with the right organization is. Mm When you're with an organization that has a lot of opportunities in different realms of healthcare, um, so that you can use your skill set in different ways. I think that's important. The other thing I would say though, I, I do think there are a lot of ways to find joy at the bedside. And again, getting in the right area, getting with the right patient population. So I want to encourage people who feel on the fence, that they've always loved bedside nursing, maybe find or bedside care, not just Mm -hmm. nursing, finding maybe a different location that works for you. So I don't think the impetus for getting into quality should just be getting away from the bedside. Okay. Because quality improvement is not easy. And it can actually be really difficult and disheartening if you don't have the right attitude and mindset for it. So I'm not sure I totally answered your question. But um, so what I would say is, I find that it's really helpful to assess your skill, the things that people tend to indicate come naturally to you, mm-hmm. so much so that you may not even think of it as a skill. And ways that you can use those skills that are going to be employable to you. And if that happens to be in healthcare quality, there's a lot of aspects of quality too, that there's a, a lot of realms to explore within quality improvement. But that's the main thing is I would say, don't just do it to get away from the bedside, but realize that within healthcare and within healthcare quality, there's so many facets of it. And there's probably a facet that fits for you.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because healthcare quality is hard, and there's a weightiness, a heaviness that can come with it when you're wanting to do the right thing for the patient and wanting, you know, these excellent patient outcomes. And I have also heard quality is where you go when you want to retire. And yeah. being quality myself, I know that I work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and with the teams that you know, the clinical teams, the non-clinical teams. So I'm, I'm so glad you said it's not just. Let me just get away from the bedside and go to quality. You know, there needs to be some skills and passions toward that. But there are a lot of roles. I mean, you have the clinical data analyst, population health, you have process improvement. I'm sure there's others that you can name off. But there's just so many different things within quality that are options for people that they may not know
1: about. That's right. That's right. So I know within our organization we have you mentioned some of them. So there's you know there's a big focus right now, and I don't see it going away on value-based care. So there is a need for a lot of uh, strategic analysis and program design and things like that. And if people aren't familiar with value-based care, you can um, Google it. But basically, it's you don't just get paid for a service based on volume, and that's it. It's You're also getting paid or penalized based on your outcomes mm-hmm. and how well you utilize resources to get those good outcomes. So, so there's a strategy. There's also medical staff quality. So helping physicians, providers, nurse practitioners, PAs, improve their quality, monitoring their quality, and helping to make improvements there there's of course accreditation there's all kinds of accrediting bodies that we are responsible to as healthcare organizations depending on the setting you have different accrediting bodies but a few of those would be OSHA the joint commission or for DNB Medicare Medicaid so CMS various accrediting bodies and there's a whole uh, team of people typically that are devoted to ensuring that we're compliant with all those standards that we need to, be, to provide good care and uh, be able to keep getting reimbursement and so forth. And then like you said, performance improvement, data analytics, collecting data, um, doing chart reviews, submitting data outside the organization. A lot of quality departments include infection prevention, And even sometimes risk management, you know, they might be combined. So there's a a plethora of different components of quality. I know some smaller organizations, you know, might have one or two people doing all of that. And so, uh, but larger organizations tend to have different people doing different components of quality.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to what you said before. It's all about the organization that you choose to work for, right? And making sure there's an alignment there with your own personality and skill set and opportunities that may be available, right? That's right, yeah. Hi friend, are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, top three mistakes clinicians make when transitioning into a non-clinical role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to go into this space? I know you mentioned, you know, making sure that it was a good fit with their skills, uh, but is there anything else that you would say may help them make the transition if they know that healthcare quality is what they want to do?
1: Right. Right. Um, Yeah, definitely. So I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of people and people who are transitioning out of another role, especially I think your audience may be more interested in Mm non-traditional ways to get into quality. So I have interviewed people who've had more of a business background Mm -hmm. and IT background. And there are a few things that make people really stand out. First of all, I would say, and and to develop your own skill set, is proactively doing things like getting certified in healthcare quality. So that studying for that certification and preparing for that can give you kind of a broad-based knowledge of healthcare quality, but it, it helps you stand out. It helps um, people who are the decision makers or positions to know that you're serious mm-hmm. and that you you really do want to be in healthcare quality and this is a focus. I would also say get involved with your state or national healthcare quality association. So um, the National Association for Healthcare Quality (NAHQ) or your state. And they have typically meet and greets, they have great, sometimes free, sometimes for a nominal charge, education and networking events, things like that, where you can get to know people and start understanding more about the landscape and quality so that when you get into a quality role, again you're a little more prepared. But it just helps people to see that you're you're serious about that. If you have an opportunity in your current role to start working on performance improvement projects, you know, most leaders are thrilled if someone approaches them and volunteers, right? Cause there is just so much work to do. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the best, the best things too. Not only can you highlight that on your resume and, you know, when you're interviewing, but it gives you real world experience. So I think those are some of the things that I would say are are good ways to transition into quality.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the CPHQ, um, the Certified Professional in Healthcare Quality, uh, because this is something that my audience asks about all the time, is do I need a certification to get into this role? And one thing that I've shared with them, and feel free to disagree with me, um, but one thing I've shared with them is the certification is helpful to validate your knowledge Right. Um, but you need to be able to use it, too, versus, you know, I get the certification to say I have it and then I go to the interview and I can't talk about it. Or I can't use the skills right. that are within that certification. Would you agree with that or how would you frame that?
1: I do totally agree with that. So a certification, I think, shows that you're interested and that you're serious about it. But um, there's so much more to it than that. Mm -hmm. So I think real-world experience and actually making improvements in things is even more important and impressive. And when you can say in an interview or even on your resume, I worked on this project, here was our baseline of where we started, and we were able to make this amount of improvement in this period of time. Things like that are... Even more impactful, many different quality roles. They may want you to get certified within the first two years of Mm -hmm. being in the role. But I would agree with you. I think it's probably equally as important to have real-world experience.
0: Yeah. And speaking from, from your perspective as a nurse and as someone who's in operations and hiring, I know a lot of my audience are also therapists. I have some nurses in my audience, but a lot of my audience is, is therapists. And um, therapists sometimes hit that roadblock of applying for a job or wanting to apply for a job and the job description says registered nurse, right? Or, you know, you have to have some sort of nursing background. Can you help clarify that a little bit or, or maybe something that those therapists that are interested can do to make themselves stand out?
1: Sure. So I will say that typically job descriptions can either number one be changed depending mm-hmm. on the organization. And number two, there's there's just flexibility with roles in many cases. And I think it's important for people to understand that any, any job opening, the reason there is a job opening is because, and especially in quality improvement, is because there is a problem and they need someone to help them fix that problem. And so when you can show that you are a problem solver and that you have a skill set and experience and motivation and desire to help them solve problems through things like consensus building, change management, uh, you know, action planning, identifying issues and digging into the root cause and bringing a team together to make impactful change. Those speak more than a degree. And I will say that, you know, in in my department, for instance, we have uh, radiology techs. Uh, We've definitely been open to physical therapists or, you know, occupational therapists. So we do have non-nurses in the quality department. Sometimes coming with a clinical degree is, you know, almost mandatory in a certain role, but there are plenty of other roles that having, you know, another type of degree would be fine.
0: Okay, perfect. And I'm glad you said that too, because I know you, earlier you talked about interviewing people with business backgrounds and IT backgrounds, and then you have people with clinical backgrounds and non-traditional or non-nursing backgrounds. So I think it goes back to what you said before, is it's the organization and they uh, willingness to be flexible with the role, or their, the culture of that organization.
1: Right, that's true. And the other thing I would say is, this is not just healthcare quality. I think this is in any any realm. This is just good career advice. Realize that uh, it is okay to reach out to people outside of the interviewing and hiring process. So I've had people. Um, and actually some people that I didn't end up hiring, but it's been interesting to watch their career because they did get hired and help their quality. And they just wanted to network with me. Some new grads, you know, who had just gotten out of school and their, their main focus was quality. Um, and I didn't have a position right then, but was able to give them some advice on so what I would say is LinkedIn is a great resource. Don't be afraid to reach out, even if you get you know ten nos and one yes. Take someone to coffee. You know, have a a little discussion with them. All of those discussions and relationships can end up leading to something. In fact, I know someone. She's not in my department, but she is in another quality department. She uh, is a physical therapist, and she taught. Physical therapy at a school. And through some people that she knew, she ended up getting a pretty high level quality role with really no background. And some of it can be the relationships you build um, with people. And, you know, it can take a little more time, but it's doable.
0: Yeah, the relationship is everything. I mean, getting to know people, like you've mentioned, and networking and um, taking people to coffee or hot chocolate in my case. (laughs) But you know, sometimes it's that person that can help you to remember you to bring your name up in front of a room of opportunities. Or when that okay. job comes in, they say, oh, well, I remember so-and-so was interested and they did this project with me. And so then they bring your name up.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: It happens
1: all the time, almost weekly. <laughs> there will be discussions about, oh, yeah, I've heard that person's name and I've heard they do great work. And um, yeah, So that's, that's a great point.
0: All right. Before we get to the last couple of questions, do you have anything else that you would like to share with the audience?
1: Um, oh my goodness. I, I, you know, I think one of the things I would say is, and this isn't just related to healthcare quality, but I have to tell myself this all the time. I tell my team this a lot. Just realize that, you know, like when you go to the gym and you feel sore afterwards, Mm -hmm. that. Feeling is your muscles growing, unless you've just flat out injured yourself (laughs) and pushed yourself too hard. But you know, but in general, that feeling is growth. And so I would just say that one of the things that probably surprised me the most about getting away from the bedside into a quality role. I had to learn a lot. I was not learning that stuff in school. I hadn't learned it in school I, and no one was teaching it to me. So right. I really had to learn it and it felt very uncomfortable. But, but that feeling is growth. And so I just think reminding yourself and encouraging yourself because often no one's going to encourage you. Um, mm-hmm. So just if this is something that you really want Break down some of the skills that you think you need to have. Um, push yourself to get those skills. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to make mistakes. And just realize that that feeling is you growing and just embrace that process because we need you and healthcare quality. And there's a lot, a lot to be improved. And so I think motivated, passionate people are always welcome.
0: I love that. I love that. All right. So what was your defining point?
1: So, you know, I think for me, the defining point, I talked about it a little bit before, was deciding that what I most enjoyed and my skill set, even though it was taking me a completely different path than I was anticipating going on, was the thing that I most enjoyed. And that was quality improvement. And so just Uh, Taking that risk and being open to growth and change. So that was my defining point is really just doing some self reflection, self assessment. Um, And I will say there was one other defining point when I first got into quality, not long after that, like maybe a year, I was asked to take a, a big role in our organization in quality. To be honest, I was not as qualified as I probably should have been, didn't have enough experience. So it was a big, big learning curve there. That Mm -hmm. was a defining point for me to, to take action despite my fear and, you know, to just realize that I would be able to grow into it. So I think a couple of those defining points for me that helped me grow in my quality career.
0: Okay, last question. Um, How can my network support you or, you know, any next steps that you would give to um, the audience?
1: Yeah. So what I would say is, you know, I don't have a, a website or any social media accounts or anything like that where, you know, I would ask people to support me. So I think the thing that I would say is get engaged and be open to networking within the quality realm because we all really learn so much from each other and quality improvement is an art and a science and being able to bounce ideas off of each other, learn from other organizations. So again, get involved in your various organizations, whether it's Vizient is one organization that I partner with on various projects, Premier, you know, there are other Organizations that you can reach out to, read newsletters, definitely NAHQ, your state organization, and um, just be open to learning and growing and improving.
0: I love that. Just everything you said has kind of hit a lot of points that I have shared. Um, So I'm so glad for that validation of that. And I I just so appreciate our conversation in general. Um, You know how I feel about you anyway. So (laughs) thank you for being
1: here. I feel the same way about you. So I'm happy to be here with
0: you. Thank you so much for joining in. Your support means everything. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share this episode with your friends and colleagues and rate the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I'd love to hear from you. So find me on LinkedIn at Brandy DPT or on my website at www dot defining point cc.com enjoy the rest of your day